Welcome to Time Lapse. Your future self says the guard is coming around the corner in three, two, one. Okay, go. I'm Dan Manning. And I'm Misha Stanton. And with us in the booth today, we have our good, good buddy. Julian Mundy. How's it going, everybody? Hey, Julian. Welcome to Time Lapse. Yeah, it feels good to be back. Yeah. Well, this is the first time you've been on Time Lapse because we oh. recorded them out of order. Woo! Well, no, because I, I was back on, I'm back considering I'm back from The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. That was my yeah. first episode. Oh, Julian right. is, Julian yeah. is, our, is our number one guest host. And apparently the resident anime expert, which is cool today because we are doing one of my favorite surprises of the last couple of years, a miniseries called Erased. Yeah, uh, Julian, you recommended this to us and we had a great time through The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and I was mm-hmm. like, let's get some more anime and Erased is just fantastic. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. Yeah. Let's get into Erased. Erased is a 12-part anime based on a manga which also has a live-action Japanese movie. Yeah, I, I heard about Erased through a couple of grapevines, and it sounded like a really fantastic premise for, if nothing else, an episode of Time Lapse because it's just a very sort of well-told, well-animated story. That- it's by the same studio that directed and animated uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, a bunch of other stuff. The studio is Anaplex, if you want to go and look them up. Anaplex they are, is so good. They are fantastic, you know, up there with Studio Bones and all these other guys. I'm so happy. So, Erased. So, we're going to cover the anime today. There's the manga, there's the live-action movie. I know there's slight differences. We're covering the 12-part anime series today. So, Erased features the life of Satoru Fujinuma, a pizza delivery boy whose life is disrupted by large spans of time hopping. Uh, didn't we already do Futurama? We already did Futurama, Misha. <sighs> Hey. You guys are the worst. So Satoru has this ability, which uh, in the anime is called Revival, which not let's a great not, name. Let's yeah. not get into that exactly. Basically what Revival is, is we're introduced to Satoru, who throughout his life has instances of Revival, which is he sees a vision of a blue butterfly. Why a butterfly? Always a butterfly? Uh, Bradbury. God damn it, Ray Bradbury. So whenever he sees this blue butterfly, he jumps one to five minutes back in time, usually to prevent some sort of calamity, like a car crash or somebody falling off a cliff or something. Yeah, it's kind of like tragedy deja vu. Like, he jumps back in time and he's like, oh, there's something different, and whatever the different thing is, it's kind of a hint. But, like... You don't need to remember any of this because it's about to be ditched Well, the the crux, the crux of his power is that he rewinds to a certain point where he can make a difference in a certain event. It's usually life-threatening or tragic in some way. And so the blue butterfly is his trigger to start looking around for things that are out of place. Which I really like because that actually kind of gets into the physics of time travel a little bit where there's this thing called light cones. Long story short, light cones are basically the effectability of some point or some piece of matter on the universe around it, you know? It's called a light cone because the fastest you can travel from any point to another point is the speed of light. So a light cone is sort of defined as how far you can get based on the speed of light in a given time. And Satoru really only travels to points where he can affect change around him, which is why it's so strange when uh, he is then sent back 18 years. Now, we're introduced to the concept He'll, he's like, yeah, it happens every now and then. It's only like one to five minutes. All of a sudden, bam, 18 years, which I think is really cool. Yeah, but they only have one revival to show that, yeah, he has revivals. And then he goes back in time, and it's not like he has more revivals. For the rest of the series, essentially for the rest of the series, he does come back to the future for uh, an episode to kind of move the plot along. But for the rest of the series, um, it's him as a young child and him living in his, like, young child self's life in uh, Japan in 1988. Yes, but the way they introduce that where 
in the beginning, he's very jaded to it. It's something that happens to him a lot, but it's only those one to five minute jumps. And then he's thrown by the 18 years. It establishes what is weird and what is not in a very cool way. You know, it's, it's a like, miniseries, so it, we can't spend a lot of time on all these other revivals that didn't turn out great for Satoru. Yeah, it's yeah. It, they do say that uh, like things don't end up working out well for him. Like the first time you see him revival, he like gets hit by a, a car or something or crashes his moped. But he also saves a girl from getting hit by a truck. Right. So usually it comes out even, like he breaks even, or sometimes he hurts himself. But we establish that he is sort of inured to this bizarre happenstance in his life, which makes the 18-year jump, like you said, so cool. And he maintains his 29-year-old consciousness once he gets back to his 11-year-old self. Yeah. So the whole reason for the travel back 18 years is... Something happens in his past, and at this point, we do want to give a big, flashing content warning. There's some sensitive stuff that happens in this series, and if you're triggered by those sorts of things... Specifically, this story is a lot about um, the abuse of children, and if that's stuff that that doesn't uh, sit well with you, maybe this is not the best. Yeah, you we'll could have, probably skip this. We'll yeah. have a new episode in two weeks. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, that said, now we're going to get into it. Yeah, so the reason um, Satoru is sent back in time is to around the time that this string of kidnappings happened in his childhood. It's something that his mother confesses that they tried to shield him from. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't alive in the late 1980s, and I certainly wasn't in Japan there. But, like, they do a lot of lying to children in order to shield them from bad circumstances, and I'm... Well, how much of that is the cultural norms of adults lying to children, and how much of that is keeping things from the protagonist to forward the plot? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, because it's definitely like, hey, let's go explore some of your repressed memories with fresh eyes, because when Satoru goes back in time, or rather you as the viewer come back and you you can clearly see that, like, oh, one of his classmates is being abused, and maybe if he was an 11-year-old, he wouldn't have noticed those signs, but looking on with 29-year-old eyes, he is able to, to clearly see that that is the case. Yeah, so there's a string of kidnappings and child murders, and Satoru decides he's gonna stop it and save the kids and catch the murderer, and then for the rest of the series, like, he pretty much does that. He just, like, goes and does it. Well, because in his present, after his mother is murdered, the police are looking for him because they think he did it. I'll, I'll get back to that later. He's kind of a loner in the present. And also, you know, his mother was just murdered and he'd, he'd like that all of that to stop. And so there's a lot of bad things that happen. So he doesn't have much stake in the present timeline. And so he really does focus his thoughts on let's fix here. Also, I want to make a comment on the fact that the Satoru that we meet initially in 29-year-old form apparently has no friends, barely speaks to his mother, and, you know, lives this sort of shitty day-to-day -day existence. He has that one high school friend. He has that one high school friend. That's kind of a little creepy. Yeah, like, she's not... that You're talking about the girl that works at the pizza place? Yeah. Irie. Well, we established that in the beginning, she's not even really a friend. She's just sort of an acquaintance that he is aware of and kind of looks down on. Like, he's not that big of a fan of her. And then he goes back to 19... 80s Japan and he's suddenly got all these you know school chums from his primary school days and he falls really naturally into being a kid again and it's just striking how much that you like as the series goes on you see all the effects of his not being involved in the kidnappings at first sent everyone else in his life 
you know, scattering away from him for whatever reason. They went in different directions, and you never know what they are. So when you meet people like Kenya, like Hiromi, like all of these friends that he's got, then you wonder where they are. And eventually we get answers to those questions, but that's through this whodunit. I do want to say that, like, once the initial time travel happens back 18 years, and then forward for a second and then back to, to fix, you know, he didn't fix it, and so he has to try again or whatever. Once he's there... Once he's in the 1980s, time travel itself, the ability to time... It's not like he can trigger it. It's, it happens to him. So it's not really useful in solving that whodunit. It's sort of a place-setting deal. If, if you're fans of The Bright Sessions listening to this podcast, it's a lot like Sam's power, where she just sort of has a physiological reaction to stress and then... You know, she jumps back to wherever she you, jumps back you're to. You're clearly not br- caught up with the Bright Sessions because she gets way better control over Oh, I'm definitely not caught up, but, you know, <laughs> I, I have a lot going on. But Satoru only goes back in time once. Like, he, I mean, do, he does it twice, but, like, it's not like he has more regular revivals while in the thing. After I saw the entire series, I definitely conceptualized it more as a 11-year-old kid is granted the, like, acuity and point of view of a 29-year-old adult. Well, one thing I do like is that the fact that it's a time travel plot, like, it could just be a child solving some murder. Like, Stranger Things was popular. Yeah. But the fact that it's time travel sets you up for some good red herrings. Um, like They're the, really good at signposting in this yeah, show. It's, well, it's not just signposting, but it's, it's the dramatic irony of, oh, I saw that guy in the future scenes. Maybe he's the murderer. For example, his mom, his mom was like... Uh, a journalist, and his mom has this former colleague who is trying to solve the murders in the 1980s times, and there's a moment where, or at least for me, where I definitely thought he could possibly have been the murderer. Yeah. And the reason I thought that is because I remembered his face from the future scenes, and I go, oh, he's in the future, he might be the murderer. And he wasn't, it was just a red herring. But the time travel allows for a lot of good red herrings that only... Satoru and the audience know about. Well, what I really like about those red herrings is that they let the actual clues go by. Like, if you know what to look for, you can definitely piece together the murders. In Satoru's original version of the timeline, a young man who he hung out with a lot while as a child gets framed for these kidnappings and murders, and so he goes away to jail for the rest of his life. And this killer that he has to hunt down has a tendency to frame people for those murders. So, like, there are a lot of red herrings and clues and, like, things that aren't actually clues, but when you look at them again later, they totally are. And that's definitely a theme of the series, that looking back on those old events with a fresh perspective, you realize the darkness that was hiding behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, Misha, you'd started before me, and just so you know, we are definitely going to spoil this whole series, uh, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you know. But um, you told me, just remember, every time they're foreshadowing that it's the teacher, remember, it is. Oh my god, it's totally the teacher the whole time. It's totally, and we get so many clues that we're told to wave away in in all these coded ways. And I just want to comment also on how well... The not just the signposting and the red herringing goes on, but <laughs> red haranguing, red haranguing. Um, but also the fact that this anime is maybe one of the the strongest I've seen in a long time in terms of being adaptable to a stage play. Like this. Oh yeah, work, we were talking about this before. We, we were started. talking about it a little bit. Oh, I missed this conversation. And it's it, like there are these little things that the show does with color. Like you see a sort of maroon shine on villains' eyes. Oh when yeah, when they're doing something really nasty. 
nasty. But it's, but it's not always the villain, which it's is another always. one of those red herring things, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Exactly. It's just sort of a way to see how messed up a person is inside. And then, you know, you've got the glowing blue butterfly, which has vaguely like Persona and David Lynchian <laughs> vibes to it as well. If you play those games, I've, I'm deep into Persona 5 I play right David now. Lynch. That's a great game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Play play his nightmares. But yeah, so I just think that this is such a, a great character-driven thing that doesn't need the science fiction to make you engaged. You're kind of asked as an audience member, it feels like every step of the way, you're being asked to think about this story like a Greek tragedy. Because yeah. it's always pointing to Yashiro Sensei as the villain, even though there are in-universe reasons to not look at him that way. But you as the audience member are being given the priority in what you're seeing and that allows you to be like, no, don't go in that room, or no, don't talk to him. And the balance is shifted in your favor. Yeah, it's time, interesting. Time travel as device for dramatic irony is, I think, the theme of this episode here. Mm-hmm. But it does open up, like like I said with the with the red herrings, like it opens up interesting avenues into the whodunit story that yeah. like, it's the same old tropes, but it's presented in a slightly new way, which is which makes it a lot more interesting. What I really like about a good time travel story, or even any good science fiction or any story with fantastical elements, is when it uses the fantastical elements to create a larger metaphor that makes a point about something. And so the the point here is that this kid, uh, seeing this now, seeing this with, with increased perspective, it, it clearly there was something going wrong. And you as a viewer even have that because there, as we mentioned, uh, there are a lot of hints that it is the teacher. Yeah, I want to get back to this teacher. So yeah. basically what happens with the teacher is there's a bunch of shots of him sort of, you know, up from a child's perspective with that red shade over his eyes. And as I was watching it, I definitely said, okay, well, they're trying really hard to make me think it's the teacher. Uh-huh. And then, like, they're driving in his car, and Satoru accidentally pops the glove compartment, and the glove compartment's filled with children's candy. Like, just lollipops. lollipops. Lollipop just comes spilling out, and the teacher has this great moment that, again, you're asked to wave away, where he's like, oh my god, th- you weren't supposed to open that. I-, I didn't want anyone to find out about my smoking aid, like, to get he says, to no, stop you f- smoking. He says, you figured out my secret. You figured out my secret. But also, like, are you supposed to wave it away? Because he's clearly the killer. Well, well he's asking you to really, really hard. So, oh, you want to believe Yashiro Sensei? He's so nice. Well, that's what you see. Well, later in the series, um, after he basically, um, there are three main kidnapping victims, and he saves each one of them in turn. And then, when he least expects it, he's trying to save the third kidnapping victim, and ends up saying, "Hey, teach, can we go drive somewhere?" And at that point. You figured it out because you're watching it and they've clearly, they've pitched it up, but he, the character, hasn't, and your your stomach sinks. Yeah, it's that dramatic irony. Yeah, like so much of the theme is that the killer, the abuser, is a trusted member of the community, and he's the person you least expect. They actually do go out of the way to uh, make him look like a hero in an earlier scene. One of the kidnapping victims is being abused by her mother. And that's why she often ends up alone, which is how she ends up as one of the victims. And the teacher actually comes in and, like, takes her away and, like, gives her to Child Protective Services and, like, kind of has this heroic moment. And you go, oh, Yashiro-sensei, you're a good guy. He actually, well, there's a a moment in the finale episode where Satoru, he's having this, like, moment of truth with the teacher. We're not so different, you and I. We're not so different. But also there's this moment where he he mentions that Yashiro-sensei, when you were helping out that girl... You said something to me and it made me, like, you gave me the courage to keep going with this whodunit thing that I'm doing. It's so Japanese. It's the, it, well, it's, no, is it though? Because it's, it's that moment in hero fiction where the villain looks into his eyes and goes, you complete me. 
That was Heath Ledger. That yeah, was Heath very Ledger. jokery. There's the, <laughs> at the ending has a has a very Hannibal style thing to it. But, like, I also think that's messed up because, like, even though technically it's, oh, it's two adults against each other, the way the the finale is framed, it's someone who is abused as a child has to confront his abuser, but they do, like, oh, this was a a careful game of cat and mouse, and it's like, no, that guy is just a murderer. There's, like, a plea for empathy with this character, but, like, they had no reason to be empathic towards them. That's why I say it's such a Japanese thing because, again, I've been playing Persona 5 a lot, and... You are sort of asked, like, while you're going through and solving all these mental problems, quote-unquote, that people have, you go through the inner workings of the villains, and you're asked to understand what caused them to become this way. And I think that when you carry through to Erased, then it's doing a similar thing. But it's th- this whole thing is yeah, sort but you of, don't get that from the teacher. No, you, you don't, don't get a reason. You absolutely, it's just, don't. he's just a, a monster. He's just a monster. Anyway, so actually, I had a big question earlier when we were talking about revival. When Satoru is back in time, he changes a bunch of things, and then he gets booted back to the present. And I asked myself, oh, like what happens to his child self when they switch back? Is there like a sudden switch? Does he keep going with the same like kind of thought? This is actually really similar to another time travel movie, which we haven't covered yet, called The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. Yes. It's a very similar question. I super wondered that. And then when he goes back in time the second time, I realized that that ends up not having to matter because Satoru gets kidnapped by the his evil teacher, Yachiro, and he basically glues him into a seat and pushes the car into a, a frozen river, and he freezes and is trapped in a coma for 15 years. Yeah, so there isn't actually any intervening memories to like overwrite because he's just in a coma yeah they just jump him forward and something that i really like in time travel stories is that he doesn't get jumped back to 2005 exactly he gets jumped back to 2003 and then later after that the story takes a jump to 2010 and i i like the way that just because he gets revivaled back 18 years doesn't mean he has to get jumped forward that exact same 18 years I also like that there is a consequence here. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen anything I've written, but I like it when, like, time travel has, like, serious, like, awful, like, will destroy your body consequences. RSParadoxica.com. Um, and so, like, he's he's trapped in a coma for 15 years, and, like, without the, the decided efforts of his mom to keep him alive. Coolest mom ever, by the oh way. Oh, my God, coolest mom ever. There are at least half a dozen instances where Sachiko is the best character in that show and yeah, a lot absolutely. of other shows. And like he's been trapped in a coma. They, he says something like, oh, what, like when I went in a coma, I was like four foot 11. Now I'm five, five. And his body physically takes a toll for this happening. And he saves everyone. But like it, it's at the cost of like, he was hurt drastically. And like he, the, the, the anime is called Erased. Uh, and the Japanese name of it is The Town Without Me. So take that what you will. I actually, I do really like that uh, when it's a one to five minute jump, he gets hit and goes to the hospital, but he's awake the whole time. He's essentially fine. He loses about five minutes of himself and his personal life. But when he goes back into the coma, what he changed was about 15 years worth. So yeah. he goes into a 15 year coma. It's not directly logically tied to it but it is thematically tied to the amount of time he spends yeah, exactly right. that's nice and and this is getting back to when he wakes up from the coma he is met by his friends Hiromi by his friend Kenya and they've become like a doctor and a lawyer and he has friends again and like he clearly changed something I do want to also say he's also greeted by Yashiro sensei who's just been waiting 15 years for him to wake up from the coma to kill him as opposed to killing him in the coma which would have been way easier yeah they, but we but they establish in the ending that he can't kill Satoru 
Toru. Because that's, he's the Joker. Because he's the, honestly, yeah, like that was the conclusion they come to is because they can't exist without each other. It was a bad conclusion, but there's a great scene where like Satoru is explaining to Yachiro that he can't kill him and like there's literally God rays behind him and like. And he like falls off the hospital. Yeah, like he he's, forces Yashiro senseis to catch him in mid free fall. It's the greatest moment where you're like, okay, this is clearly the turnabout power play and it's still really funny in a lot of ways. There's a recurring image of heroism of being a superhero like um, Satoru tells Kenya Kenya is a, his friend who was very smart when they were young and he straight up point blank says you're a different person what's wrong with you I don't know what's up and Satoru is like oh, I'm just trying to be a hero now and so there's a lot about trying to be a hero and like what is the measure of a hero and it's having friends and being a chill dude but he straight up at the end the hero like pays a heavy price and returns as the master of life and death and like defeats the villain thanks Joey Campbell yeah so let's bring this back to the time travel and the trick about erased is that the time travel itself is actually pretty hard to nail down pretty hard to analyze because you know it's it's loose it's not explained how he has this ability he just has it they don't really try to make it concrete make it something you can hold on to and so it makes it hard for us time lapse ites time lapsers time time lapsitudes time lapsers and even you know the butterfly effect question is sort of hand waved away in the show they go oh you just woke up from a 15 year coma your memories are bound to be jumbled so yeah. he has all the old satoru memories and the new young satoru memories and all of that is just sort of cascaded around in his brain any inconsistencies in that are hand waved away by the fact that like yeah you're bound to have mixed up memories you're in a coma yeah, they, they do this really nice thing where when he jumps back originally, the adult Satoru offers narration of what Satoru is thinking, but, like, the character is voiced by, uh, maybe not a child-accurate voice, but a child's voice. And when Satoru is comed into the present, they use the adult Satoru voice, but he's narrated, his thoughts are narrated by young Satoru. That was a really nice touch. I didn't yeah, yeah. like that. But it's, it's a great way to show how he's clearly gone through not just some temporal changes, but also, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand, the, the fact that he went from 29-year-old to 11-year-old, then sort of slowly back to a 20-something is going to make some physiological changes, like brain chemistry is different. He's He very easily falls into being a kid when he's back in the 80s, and then he kind of has to work and struggle back to being a 29-year-old. Maybe two-thirds of the way through the mystery, when basically uh, he's in Yashiro's grasp, when he's going to get got, I feel like he's completely forgotten that other perspective like that old Satoru is gone he's just kind of synthesized into the hero young 11 year old Satoru the master of old and young yes hmm. I think that's gonna do it for this episode of time lapse thanks for joining us once again thank you Julian thank for you for back. having me guys it has been such a pleasure to be back I hope to come back in the future and regale you with more anime and stuff it's gonna be great yeah, yeah we know it's a big commute for you to get over here to the studio I had to drag myself literally eight yards out of my bed and into this recording booth. <laughs> and I don't know if I will ever forgive either of you. <laughs> um, just as a quick reminder, we are still looking for mailbag questions. Oh my gosh, the mailbag questions that we've gotten so far are fantastic. They're really I can't good. wait to put it together. We're doing it in September, so there's still time. Send your mailbag questions, timelapsepod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter or most of the socials. I'm at Misha, etc. I'm Manuel Danning. I am at Mr. Limbs. That's Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Limbs. Sweet. And um, until the next episode of our fine show here, have a good... What's the other part of space? I'm just going to let you puzzle through this one. I'm not going to help you at all. 
I'm just going to let you flounder. It's time. Laps. A product of the Whisper Forge. <laughs>